0: Chapter Thirteen of Hard Times by Charles Dickens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hard Times by Charles Dickens. Chapter Thirteen Rachel a candle faintly burned in the window to which the black ladder had often been raised for the sliding away of all that was most precious in this world to a striving wife and a brood of hungry babies and stephen added to his other thoughts the stern reflection that of all the casualties of this existence upon earth not one was dealt out with so unequal a hand as death the inequality of birth was nothing to it for say that the child of a king and the child of a weaver were born to-night in the same moment what was that disparity to the death of any human creature who was serviceable to or beloved by another while this abandoned woman lived on from the outside of his home he gloomily passed to the inside with suspended breath and with a slow footstep. He went up to his door, opened it, and so into the room. Quiet and peace were there. Rachel was there, sitting by the bed. She turned her head, and the light of her face shone in upon the midnight of his mind. She sat by the bed, watching and tending his wife. THAT IS TO SAY, HE SAW THAT SOMEONE LAY THERE, AND HE KNEW TOO WELL IT MUST BE SHE. BUT RACHEL'S HANDS HAD PUT A CURTAIN UP, SO THAT SHE WAS SCREENED FROM HIS EYES. HER DISGRACEFUL GARMENTS WERE REMOVED, AND SOME OF RACHEL'S WERE IN THE ROOM. EVERYTHING WAS IN ITS PLACE AND ORDER AS HE HAD ALWAYS KEPT IT. THE LITTLE FIRE WAS NEWLY TRIMMED, AND THE HEARTH WAS FRESHLY SWEPT. It appeared to him that he saw all this in rachel's face and looked at nothing besides while looking at it it was shut out from his view by the softened tears that filled his eyes but not before he had seen how earnestly she looked at him and how her own eyes were filled too she turned again towards the bed and satisfying herself that all was quiet there "'spoken a low, calm, cheerful voice.
1: "'I am glad you have come at last, Stephen. "'You are very late.'
0: "'I have been walking up and down.'
1: "'I thought so. "'But tis too bad a night for that. "'The rain falls very heavy, and the wind has
0: risen.' "'The wind? "'True, it was blowing hard. "'Hark to the thundering in the chimney and the surging noise. "'To have been out in such a wind and not to have known it was blowing.'
1: "'I have been here once before to-day, Stephen. Landlady came round for me at dinner-time. There was someone here that needed looking to,' she said. Indeed she was right. All wandering and lost, Stephen. Wounded, too, and bruised.'
0: He slowly moved to a chair and sat down, drooping his head before her.
1: "'I came to do what little I could, Stephen. First, for that she worked with me when we were girls both, and for that you courted her and married her when I was her friend.'
0: He laid his furrowed forehead on his hand with a low groan.
1: And next, for that I know your heart, and am right sure and certain that tis far too merciful to let her die, or even so much as suffer for want of aid. Thou know'st who said, Let him who is without sin amongst you cast the first stone at her. There have been plenty to do that. Thou art not the man to cast the last stone, Stephen, when she is brought so low
2: oh rachel rachel
1: thou hast been a cruel sufferer heaven reward thee
0: she said in compassionate accents
1: i am thy poor friend with all my heart and mind
0: the wounds of which she had spoken seemed to be about the neck of the self-made outcast she dressed them now still without showing her she steeped a piece of linen in a basin into which she poured some liquid from a bottle and laid it with a gentle hand upon the sore. The three-legged table had been drawn close to the bedside, and on it there were two bottles. This was one. It was not so far off, but that Stephen, following her hands with his eyes, could read what was printed on it in large letters. He turned of a deadly hue, and a sudden horror seemed to fall upon him.
1: I will stay here, Stephen
0: said Rachel, quietly resuming her seat, till
1: the bells go three. Tis to be done again at three, and then she may be left till morning.
2: But thy rest again, to-morrow's work, my dear.
1: I slept sound last night. I can wake many nights when I am put to it. Tis thou who art in need of rest, so white and tired. Try to sleep in the chair there while I watch. Thou hadst no sleep last night, I can well believe. To-morrow's work is far harder for thee than for me.
0: He heard the thundering and surging out of doors, and it seemed to him as if his late angry mood were going about trying to get at him. She had cast it out, she would keep it out. He trusted to her to defend him from himself.
1: "'She don't know me, Stephen. She just drowsily mutters and stares. I have spoken to her times and again, but she don't notice. "'Tis as well so.' "'When she comes to her right mind once more, "'I shall have done what I can, and she never the wiser.'
2: "'How long, Rachel, this loop for? That shall be so.'
1: "'Doctor said she would aptly come to her mind to-morrow.'
0: His eyes fell again on the bottle, and a tremble passed over him, "'causing him to shiver in every limb. "'She thought he was chilled with the wet.' "'No,' he said. If "'It were not
2: that he'd had a fright.' "'A fright?' "'Aye, aye, coming in.' in when i were walking
0: when i were thinking when i-it seized him again and he stood up holding by the mantel-shelf as he pressed his dank cold hair down with a hand that shook as if it were palsied stephen she was coming to him but he stretched out his arm to stop her no don't please
2: don't let me see thee setting by bed let me see thee as so good and so forgiving let me see thee as i see thee when i coming in, in i can never see thee better than so never never never
0: he had a violent fit of trembling and then sunk into his chair after a time he controlled himself and resting with an elbow on one knee and his head upon that hand could look towards rachel seen across the dim candle with his moistened eyes she looked as if she had a glory shining round her head he could have believed she had he did believe it as the noise without shook the window rattled at the door below and went about the house clamouring and lamenting
1: when she gets better stephen tis to be hoped she'll leave thee to thyself again and do thee no more hurt anyways we will hope so now and now i shall keep silence for i want thee to sleep
0: he closed his eyes more to please her than to rest his weary head but by slow degrees as he listened to the great noise of the wind he ceased to hear it or it changed into the working of his loom or even into the voices of the day his own included saying what had been really said even this imperfect consciousness faded away at last and he dreamed a long troubled dream he thought that he and some one on whom his heart had long been set BUT SHE WAS NOT Rachel, AND THAT SURPRISED HIM, EVEN IN THE MIDST OF HIS IMAGINARY HAPPINESS, STOOD IN THE CHURCH, BEING MARRIED. WHILE THE CEREMONY WAS PERFORMING, AND WHILE HE RECOGNIZED AMONG THE WITNESSES SOME WHOM HE KNEW TO BE LIVING, AND MANY WHOM HE KNEW TO BE DEAD, DARKNESS CAME ON, SUCCEEDED BY THE SHINING OF A TREMENDOUS LIGHT. IT BROKE FROM ONE LINE IN THE TABLE OF COMMANDMENTS AT THE ALTAR and illuminated the building with the words they were sounded through the church too as if there were voices in the fiery letters upon this the whole appearance before him and around him changed and nothing was left as it had been but himself and the clergyman they stood in the daylight before a crowd so vast that if all the people in the world could have been brought together into one space They could not have looked, he thought, more numerous, and they all abhorred him, and there was not one pitying or friendly eye among the millions that were fastened on his face. He stood on a raised stage, under his own loom, and looking up at the shape the loom took, and hearing the burial service distinctly read, he knew that he was there to suffer death. In an instant, what he stood on fell below him and he was gone out of what mystery he came back to his usual life and to places that he knew he was unable to consider but he was back in those places by some means and with this condemnation upon him that he was never in this world or the next through all the unimaginable ages of eternity To look on Rachel's face or hear her voice. Wandering to and fro, unceasingly, without hope, and in search of he knew not what, he only knew that he was doomed to seek it, he was the subject of a nameless, horrible dread, a mortal fear of one particular shape, which everything took. Whatsoever he looked at grew into that form sooner or later the object of his miserable existence was to prevent its recognition by any one among the various people he encountered hopeless labor if he led them out of rooms where it was if he shut up drawers and closets where it stood if he drew the curious from places where he knew it to be secreted and got them out into the streets the very chimneys of the mills assumed that shape and round them was the printed word. The wind was blowing again, the rain was beating on the housetops, and the larger spaces through which he had strayed contracted to the four walls of his room. Saving that the fire had died out, it was as his eyes had closed upon it. Rachel seemed to have fallen into a doze in the chair by the bed. She sat wrapped in her shawl, perfectly still. The table stood in the same place, close by the bedside, and on it, in its real proportions and appearance, was the shape so often repeated. He thought he saw the curtain move. He looked again, and he was sure it moved. He saw a hand come forth, and grope about a little. Then the curtain moved more perceptibly and the woman in the bed put it back and sat up. With her woeful eyes, so haggard and wild, so heavy and large, she looked all round the room and past the corner where he slept in his chair. Her eyes returned to that corner, and she put her hand over them as a shade, while she looked into it. Again they went all round the room, scarcely hating Rachel, if at all. And returned to that corner he thought as she once more shaded them not so much looking at him as looking for him with a brutish instinct that he was there that no single trace was left in those debauched features or in the mind that went along with them of the woman he had married eighteen years before but that he had seen her come to this by inches he never could have believed her to be the same all this time as if a spell were on him he was motionless and powerless except to watch her stupidly dozing or communing with her incapable self about nothing she sat for a little while with her hands at her ears and her head resting on them Presently she resumed her staring round the room, and now, for the first time, her eyes stopped at the table with the bottles on it. Straightway she turned her eyes back to his corner, with the defiance of last night, and moving very cautiously and softly, stretched out her greedy hand. She drew a mug into the bed and sat for a while considering which of the two bottles she would choose. Finally she laid her insensate grasp upon the bottle that had swift and certain death in it, and before his eyes pulled out the cork with her teeth. Dream or reality, he had no voice, nor had he power to stir, If this be real, and her allotted time be not yet come, Wake, Rachel, wake! She thought of that, too. She looked at Rachel, and very slowly, very cautiously, poured out the contents. The draught was at her lips. A moment, and she would be past all help. Let the whole world wake and come about her with its utmost power. But in that moment, rachel started up with a suppressed cry the creature struggled struck her seized her by the hair but rachel had the cup stephen broke out of his chair
2: rachel i'm awake in a dream in this
0: dreadful night
1: tis all well stephen i have been asleep myself tis near three hush i hear the bells
0: the wind brought the sounds of the church clock to the window They listened, and it struck three. Stephen looked at her, saw how pale she was, noted the disorder of her hair and the red marks of fingers on her forehead, and felt assured that his senses of sight and hearing had been awake. She held the cup in her hand even now.
1: "'I thought it must be near three,
0: she said, calmly pouring from the cup into the basin, and steeping the linen as before.
1: I am thankful I stayed. Tis done now, when I've put this on. There. And now she's quiet again. The few drops in the basin I'll pour away, For tis bad stuff to leave about, Though ever so little of it.
0: As she spoke, she drained the basin Into the ashes of the fire, Broke the bottle on the hearth. She had nothing to do then But to cover herself with her shawl, Before going out into the wind and rain.
2: Thou let me walk with thee at this hour, Rachel.
1: No, Stephen. Tis but a minute and I'm home.
0: Thou are not fearful. He said it in a low voice. As they went out at the door. To leave me alone with her. As she looked at him saying, Stephen, he went down on his knee before her on the poor mean stairs and put an end of her shawl to his lips.
2: Thou art an angel. Bless thee, bless thee. I am
1: as I have told thee, Stephen, thy poor friend. Angels are not like me. Between them and a working woman full of faults there is a deep gulf set. My little sister is among them, but she is changed.
0: She raised her eyes for a moment as she said the words. And then they fell again, in all their gentleness and mildness, on his face.
2: Thou changest me from bad to good. Thou makest me humble wish for to be more like thee and fearful to lose thee when this life is o'er and aught muddle cleared away thou art an angel it may be thou hast saved my soul alive
0: she looked at him on his knee at her feet with her shawl still in his hand and the reproof on her lips died away when she saw the working of his face i come home desperate i come home
2: without hope and mad we think it that when i said a word o complaint i was reckoned an unreasonable hand i told he had had a fright it with a poison-bottle on table i never hurt a living creature but happening so sudden upon it i thought how can i say what i might ha
0: done to me sen or, or, or both she put her two hands on his mouth with a face of terror to stop him from saying more he caught them in his unoccupied hand and holding them, and still clasping the border of her shawl, said hurriedly,
2: But I see thee, Rachel, setting by the bed. I have seen thee all this night. In my troublous sleep I have known this still be her. Evermore I'll see thee there. And nevermore will see her or think of her, but thou shalt be beside her. And nevermore will see her think of anything that angers me but thou so much better than me shall be by the side aunt, and so i'll try to look to time and so i will try to trust at time when thou and me at last shall walk together far away beyond the deep gulfic country where thy little sister is
0: he kissed the border of her shawl again and let her go she bade him good-night in a broken voice and went out into the street The wind blew from the quarter where the day would soon appear, and still blew strongly. It had cleared the sky before it, and the rain had spent itself or travelled elsewhere, and the stars were bright. He stood bareheaded in the road, watching her quick disappearance. As the shining stars were to the heavy candle in the window, so was Rachel in the rugged fancy of this man to the common experiences of his life End of chapter 13